Okay, we're starting. Okay, Vogato. I'll get back. Um, all right, we, we're picking up at the Mishnah. Today's Mem Vav, but we're behind. Pick up at the Mishnah, bottom of Mem Hem Aleph. Uh, we just did a whole Tikkun Olam of Pidyan Shuyim, very important, relevant, and conceptual about what Tikkun Olam means, balancing personal needs, community needs, present versus future. Um, the last line here, by the way, I just misread accidentally yesterday. It wasn't that this guy who ran away, this Elish, he came back. It says that actually the women who had, the daughters that he had, uh, whoever the daughters they were, the daughters of who, Rev Nachman, they came back, and then he made his comment about that it turns out he was suspecting them that their, what had happened to them was because of witchcraft. Anyway, we pick up with the Mishnah, um, another Tikkun Olam, the same way we don't redeem captives more than their going value as slaves. Uh, we don't pay back to get back, you know, say for from non-Jews, which presumably have been stolen from Jews. Um, um, and we do not, so, and we do not buy them back more than their value because then, of course, that will just encourage more theft. And, um, um, and you know, sadly, of course, shows require, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, sometimes serious security to pretend Sifetar from getting stolen. They're highly valuable and uh, it's a big Yetzirah even if they're, uh, even if you're buying them back just at their, at their going rate, so let alone if you, you should not pay for more than their going rate, even though you would think like when it's a human life, you know, it's not just a question of dollars and cents. It's a holy book. It's a safer Torah. You've got to pay whatever it costs. No, you don't buy it back more than its value. For the sake of Tikkun Olam. What? Yeah, it's a Svarim in that context of Sifetar Torah. Okay. So, so let's take a look. So that makes a lot of sense. But now the Gemara is going to focus a little bit more on a different aspect of that halacha. Fine, you don't pipe for them more than their value. You do it for their value. From this we can infer that Torah in the hands of a non-Jew, you can assume it's a kosher Sefer Torah. Who else writes Sefer Torah except Jews? So it's kosher to use. It's just that, okay, you don't overpay for it, but it's kosher to use. So is that what we can infer from this? So, or do we have to be concerned that no, if it's in the hands of the non-Jews, maybe it was written by a non-Jew. So the man says, Dilmalignos. Now, maybe you buy it in order to be gonated. The fact that you're supposed to buy them back doesn't mean you buy them back and use them. Yes, you're right. The mission implies that if it's just for Kadei de Mayhem, you buy them back. But then what do you do with them? So you buy them back and you bury them. You treat them properly out of respect, whatever, but you still are concerned that they might be possible. I have to tell you, this has happened to me sometimes. I mean, now there's like no used bookstores around. But anyway, when they used to be used bookstores, I like to go through used bookstores, sometimes you would find, like, I don't know, some like old uh, Tanakh, or old like machzur in the st- in the store, which like it's like nobody's gonna like you know you know nobody's gonna buy it like there's no Jews around or whatever and they're just gonna whatever so I would sometimes like buy it for a dollar whatever it would be just so I could put it in shameless so you know so sometimes you buy it lignos I don't know if that was the right thing if that was necessary but anyway so all right I don't you don't have to go around and do this but anyway let's see what the gemara says the fact that you buy it doesn't prove that you can that you can that you can that, that you can use it okay nimsabiyad min so we adopt as a halachic as our halachic stance. Uh, 
If a Sefer Torah is written by a min, by basically some type, it could be like a min la zara, but uh, like a Jew who basically is, well, um, right. So min often does mean somebody who basically is a, um, you know, right, is a sectarian, and a, we translate it as apostate, yes, a Jewish Christian. So anyway, but somebody who's really completely left the faith, okay? Then, and particularly here, the issue is that you saw if the reason you burn it, and maybe it's very specific to the idea of min, is because, you know, the Christians, they also have the, you know, uh, you know our testament, but they, but they're, you know, but they sort of have different kavanah in terms of its meaning and its bindingness or whatever, and, you know, who they think is God when they're writing it, and their idea of God when they're writing it. So that's the idea that they, you know, even when they write it, it's seen as also something that's like uh, possibly um, something that also, uh, what you, you know, that, that, um, that can be a, you know, that, that, that can pull, uh, that can pull a Jew away from their own faith. You know, it's something that's more of a threat from within. So you have this, um, and that's what you have a lot, is about, like, Mars talk about whether you would allow a min to, um, which was a Jewish Christian, to, like, heal you with an incantation. You know, all the things, these were the things, the people that were, like, the closest to you, but, but, but were not you, were seen as the most, obviously, insidious and threatening and so on. So here they wrote a safe attack. Somebody told me once that uh, somebody who, you know, was quoting to him uh, in Israel, you know, uh, so in Hebrew, whatever, you know, this thing from Habacha Kadosh, and this thing from Habacha Kadosh, and he said, Habacha Kadosh, like the Bach, you know, the Beit Kadosh on the tour, we never call him Habacha Kadosh. And then he realized what he was referring to was Habrita Chadasha. So, the New Testament, right? So anyway, so Sefer Torah that is written by a min, um, that is very seen as very dangerous and therefore Yisaref. Savo Ove Kochavim if it's done by a non Jew. Right, exactly. Well, so, but that was when they were Jewish Christians. You understand? That wasn't when they were a completely different faith. Well, Jews for Jesus, then. Right, Jews for Jesus. The, the most threatening here was as a Jewish Christian. If it's written by Stam non Jew, Nimsubialov de Kochavim, Amile Yiganez, Ramile Korimbo. Some say you have to put it in Geniza. It's not as, as, as threatening. So you put it in Geniza. And others say it's even kosher. Okay, which is wild that a non Jew can write a Sefer Torah. Um, as uh, you know, uh, what come, he doesn't need. Does he need to be thinking about God? Does he need to be a monotheist? You know, what is it? Just as long as he just knows. You know, you can get a scribe. Somebody who has no idea what they're writing. They just copy over word for word what they're seeing, right? Um, and we actually sometimes see for Torah kosher even in Greek, as we you know, as opinion. So it's possible, you know, it's written by a non-Jew. So is that that you don't need any kavana? It's quite a fascinating idea that it could be kosher. Okay. Now, so the Gemara says like this. Um, be out of the I'm like gonna remember Kimbo. Um the only means of that. Right. But oh yeah. So I am sorry. So thank you. So why is it? So is it because so thank you very much. So um so if you look at Rashi, Rashi says the Amulet Korimbo, Rashi says the sex faker who Shemi Shrok Savo, the in team so lomer hook savo, so Shemalim Kori Israel Savo below the same over the Khovin. So Rashi says it's a sex faker, maybe it was by a Jew, and maybe that uh it, even if it was written by an Anju, it's kosher as long as he didn't have it with Shema Vodazara. So Tosa says, right, um, Amelie Karimbo, so Tosa says, sex, fake, etc. The Ain Yireh, 
the Rav Nachman come a ksavo of the come yiganes. Then Rav Filu ksavo linkol Yisrael. So Tosu says the reason is mishum to eat and eat a little bit say she struck ksavo to eat a chovik of and lichto. So right, thank you, Michael. So why is it? What's the opinion that you can read it if it's sound in the hand of an non-Jew? Is it that it's possible, as Rashi says, that if a, even if a non-Jew writes a sefer Torah, maybe it's kosher? Sh- really radical, shocking idea. Or Tosu says no, 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 no. We, we, we wouldn't say that. It's just that we would presume that any sefer Torah was written by a Jew. Okay? So that's a very good point. Okay. So two opinions about what happens if it's found by a non-Jew. Maybe it's even kosher. Either because maybe it's kosher even if it's wrote it or maybe just because we presume it was written by a Jew. Okay? One bright says burn it. You put it, you bury it. You read it. Okay? And this is So whatever the earlier statement of Rav Nachman was, here clearly there's a bright at least until we see what the Gemara does with it, that seems to say that a non-Jew can write a Sefer Torah. So how do you deal with this three-way machlokas other than to say it's a machlokas? Lokasha, hadetani yisarei, if you say burn it, Rabbi Eliezer, it's because we assume that a non-Jew is thinking, a pagan is thinking about their gods. And therefore, then if it's written with the, the, the thought, idolatrous thought, then that means that it's seen as an idolatrous, not only is it not a Sefer Torah, it's seen, it becomes an idolatrous work and it has to be destroyed. It's pretty shocking idea, right? It's not just that it's buried, but it actually transforms. It's not just that it doesn't have Kedusha Sefer Torah. It becomes essentially an idolatrous, a dangerous work and has to be burned. Okay? The Hajitanya Yiganes, Haitanu, the idea of buried, it's Tatana, the Tani Rav Hamnuna, Braid Rav Mipashunya, Sefer Torah, Tzil and Mizuzot, Shaksavan, Min, Umasur, Oweid Kochavim, Ve'evid, Isha, Bekatum, Bekuti, that are written by any of these people. They probably take out Min because Min is worse, as we saw before. But anyway, written by somebody who leaves the faith, or a non-Jew, um, or a slave, woman, a minor, and in a Samaritan, the Israel Mumar, and there's again Israel. The Musa was the informer, um, which is interesting because there it's not because he doesn't observe or doesn't believe; it's just because he's a threat to the community, so he's seen as not part of the community. Or Israel Mumar, who has left observance. All of these psulim are invalid; cannot write a sefer Torah. You shall bind and you shall write. Those that have the mitzvah of tefillin have the mitzvah of writing or are kosher to write a sefer Torah. To, right? <laughs> yes, those are obligated the mitzvah of tefillin are, are kosher to write because kosher those who are not obligated in tefillin ain't obiksiva to not. So that excludes, uh, you know, a case of a, of a woman minor and slave that are not obligated in, in tefillin. A Samaritan is interesting. Is this presumably either understanding that a Samaritan isn't Jewish or more likely understanding that if a Samaritan doesn't agree to what tefillin is has a different understanding of it so in their interpretation they reject the mitzvah of tefillin as we understand it that categorizes them as not in the mitzvah of tefillin similarly Yisrael Mumar who rejects his obligations even though he's obligated the rejection of the obligations seems to categorize him as not in the mitzvah of tefillin um, and Masur as I said Ananju is obvious and Masur is particularly interesting because that person is fully observant fully believing he just informs on fellow Jews right and somehow that ident- create, defines him as 
outside of the community. How, well, how does that mean he's not in the midst of Tzilin? But somehow being outside of the community is also sufficient. So all these people cannot write a Sefer Torah. Okay? So that's the idea that it's Pasu. But it's not Yiganes. We don't have to be thinking that it had Kavana of Avodah when it was written. Um, the Hadetanya Korimbo, and the most radical idea that you can read from it, Haitana Hujitanya, the following Tana that we taught, Lokhin Svarimin of Dekochavim Bechomakov. You can purchase Sefer Torah from not, from non-Jews anywhere, from pagans, as long as they're written properly, because presumably here it doesn't just mean you can buy them, presumably it also means you can use them. Okay? As long as they're written properly. A certain non-Jew, pagan, and it's explicit. It's not just a question of purchase. He's, he's, he's selling them because he's writing them. He actually was a scribe and he wrote Sifei Torah. So radical idea written by a non-Jew as long as it's written correctly it follows the right halachot the kavanot don't matter I mean if he had kavanot of a it would matter but if his kavanot is just to be a copy machine it doesn't matter Do you have to ask him this or just assume? No this is assuming that we presume uh, without knowing otherwise we presume not Okay he's a pagan doesn't mean he's thinking about Zeus when he's doing his job Okay What? Okay Okay now the Gemara asks a question one minute even though it's not even a question that that cra- position is crazy it's theoretically possible, but it's not consistent with what Rav Shimon Gamliel says elsewhere. Rav Shimon Gamliel, evil lishman bay, evil lishman low bay. One minute. Rav Shimon Gamliel even requires the the cloth to be treated, to be prepared, tanned lishma, right? To be so um, so so. How much more so should the writing, which is the actual words themselves, have to be lishma? If even the raw materials have to be lishma. So Tanya, we turn to Brisa. Sipan zahar. If you covered them to this tefillin with gold, or you put like a leather patch on them, um, of a non-kosher animal, invalid, or if you actually put a patch of kosher uh, from a kosher animal, it's kosher. Even if you did not treat the leather with the right intent to be used for tefillin. You have to treat them even the raw material, the leather has to be prepared so how much more so would the writing have to be? So how do you explain that he's not bothered about the writing? So we're going to completely reread it. When it said this non-Jew used to write Sefer, Sefer Torah, he wasn't really a non-Jew. He really was a, Jew, a non-Jew who had converted. And then he went back to his non-Jewish traditions. Okay? And that's how he come. I guess he knew how to write a Sefer Torah. So there's, that's what the Gemara says. Okay, Shkoyach. So now he's Jewish, but how does it make it more Lishma? So the Gemara says, So he's a Jew that left the faith. How much more so should we be... And now he's a, and now Davka he's having the bad kavana right it's not just Stama pagan it's a Jew who's associating with a different religion that's the most threatening so Amaravashi no 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 he's afraid he's like he's a he's a converso okay but um, but really we know that he's from and observant and so on so that's true like it's the whole thing it's not shot at all so he's not a non-Jew he's basically observant he's just like practicing out of fear like what's the chinit it's not at all shot now Tosra says, one minute, Tosra says, even Lishma Bai, even Lishma Lobai, Tosra says it's actually possible to hold this contradiction or seeming contradiction that the raw material has to be Lishma but not the writing. Tosra says, Kasha, Dilma Ksiva Lishma Vare Lobai, the Mistama Lishma Kai, once you have a cloth 
that's been worked lishma, it already creates the context of a Sefer Torah. And then the writing is automatically seen in the context of a Sefer Torah because the raw materials have, have laid the groundwork for that. And, and anyway, I actually said, said it differently. I was saying because you were writing on the cloth lishma, that's defined. But those are saying something different. The, if, if you have a non-defined act, if you have the writing of a Sefer Torah, if you have the writing of the words of a Sefer Torah, we would say, if we had to say what the purpose of it is, right, we'd say it's for the purpose of using it as a Sefer Torah and for the purpose of, you know, the right, the, the right, the, the right intent. Okay? So the, even the, the stam, the default, should be defined as okay. Whereas treating leather, people treat leather for a million usages. Why should the default be defined to be for the purpose of a Sefer Torah? Okay? So a, a, a stam writing should be okay, where the stam ibud should not be okay. Okay? Okay, etc. Still doesn't know the answer. So the bottom line is there actually seems to be a position that a Naju can write a Sefer Torah. We don't require Lishma, although because of some apparent contradiction, the Gemara reinterpreted it. It's interesting, by the way, that you know, you think these things, our Sefer Torah should be written by a Naju. The Gemara also has a Hava Mina that a Naju could do the act, the, the act of Mila. You know? So there you go. Like the two things we might think are the most that require, like uh, our connection to God and our, you know, coming from within the Jewish context, the Gemara as the possibilities could be done by a non-Jew. interpreting the case of Rabbi Shemagamil, then? It was, it was a case of a... Uh, it wasn't really a non-Jew. It's how they were extremely... Somebody who looked like a non-Jew, he wasn't a non-Jew. But, so at this point, they're not saying that... We don't know what would be if it was a real non-Jew. No, they are saying we do know. Since he doesn't allow... Since he requires Ibelishma, they're saying, according to no, him, a non-Jew would... Right. right whether, whether that position is still possible, it is. But it's not Rabbi Shemagamil. Tanu Rabbanan, Malin B'dmehem Atkei Tarpa'ik. You can actually go... Tarpik or whatever. You can pay above their value up to a tarpik. You don't have to, a little bit above their value you can pay in order to redeem them. Now we're getting to the basic point of the Mishnah. So the Mishnah says, My tarpik, I'm Istra. There's a certain coin, a seller. Hahim Tiasa. Okay, so then there was a, uh, a certain um, Arab woman, um, brought a bag of tefillin in front of a baye to sell it to him. Maybe she was, you know, somebody sold it to her. She was trying to sell it back to him. Um, Amrla. So he said to her, "Yavidi um, Give me each pair for a, uh, you know, for a date." So, you know, he tried to buy it off for real cheap. So, Imla Zihara, she got filled with anger um, and uh, passion. Shakla, she took them, she threw them into the river. That's what you think of them? You're trying to cheat me like that? She threw it into the river. Amr, so I said, should not have, you know, this uh, sort of uh, made it, um, uh, uh, what's it, like, not mistreated it, but, um, you know, um, oh, what's the word? Like, to, anyway, treated it so, so trivially in her presence. Like, I was trying to make, you know, I was trying to haggle. I was trying to say, ah, who cares? Just give it to me for a time. But obviously, she had a sense of the value and that was like not the best strategy there. I should not have trivialized it in her presence. story and it worked out well. Yeah, let's hear it. Let me hear this. Story. I, have an, I have also another story. I was on Broadway yeah. like selling, you know, the, with a um, like supermarket basket filled with junk and, right. and there was a, there was a tube there and I opened it up there was a Megillah. Wow. The Megillah inside. It was small but it was... On class? Yeah. Wow. wow. So I'm looking at it, looking at it, and the guy's going, This is really rare. This is a rare thing. If you want it, it's really rare. Wow. I said, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I said, What do you give me for it? 
I don't know. I I, I can't give you more than twenty five dollars. Yeah. Twenty five dollars, really? <laughs> okay, I'll give it to you. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. So I know a story. So I know a story. I know. I so I know a filling story. Guy says that somebody comes to him and says and says like says like like okay like how much you give me for this? You know, look look what I got. How much you give me for this? So he says, well, well, I got to check it out first. So he takes it out, like you know, and he puts on the shell yard, and then he puts Good on the guy. shell. Uh, yeah, and then he puts on the shell rose. The guy's buying it, right? The guy's running by. So I says, he says, well, he says, where's the other arm? He says, what do you mean? That's all I got. He says, what are you talking about? It's not a full set. Where's the one for the other arm? So he says, he says, hey man, that's all I got. He says, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll give you five bucks for it. He says, okay, fine. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that was a smart person. Where's the other head? All right, anyway. So, uh, by the way, in terms of this issue about the, uh, the drusha that uh, people that are not in the midst of Tzillin can't write till and are not obligated. Look at this short postmos. Koshi Yeshno Bikira, Yeshno Bikiva. So this is Mikanomarabinitam, the ain't isho get a flulov ose titit. Kevin to a mifkida. A woman cannot make a lulav, which is interesting because the idea of a kesha on a lulav is only according to Rabbi Yehuda. Um, it's not really required according anyway, and cannot make titit because she's not obligated. The ain't nira we only exclude an Anju from Titit. made by 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 a whole list of people, including women, is kosher. Um, so, uh, only by we have a specific pasuk. So this becomes a general question when for somebody to create the object of a mitzvah. To they fundamentally have to be obligated in the mitzvah. Is the default to assume they do, or is the default to assume they don't, only when you have a specific pasuk that tells you that they do? Okay, so that's an interesting question. Let's go on to the... When it's stam below nira... I don't know. I don't know. Can we conclude what it is if you find it in the hands of... No, three opinions. Moving on to the next mishnah. If a man divorces his wife because there was of ill repute, that there was... There was right, there were reports. There was nothing known, no evidence, but there was rumors about her committing adultery. He cannot, after he divorces her, he cannot remarry her. Or because of a vow, he cannot remarry her. We're going to see what this is. Well, I'll tell you right now. There's two explanations what this is about. One is that it's basically as a disincentive for uh, you know women to act in the in this way. So if one knows that you know if there's ever a uh, you know you know uh, uh, um, rumors about her committing adultery and her husband divorces her, that's it. She'll never get remarried. Or if she ever makes vows and husband divorces her, she, I mean, she'll get remarried by another man, but she won't, her husband will not be able to re- remarry her, so she'll be extra careful and not act that way. Of course, Tosa says, what can you do if people are spreading bad rumors about you, right? So it doesn't really explain so well the rumors case if it's seen as a way of, con- you know, of, 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 the, of controlling people's behavior. Um, in terms of vows, fine, be careful about your vows, because if you excessively make vows, you might get divorced and then your husband won't be able to remarry you. The other explanation, which is the more common one that's given, I mean, the Gemara is going to say it's a debate of the Tanayim. The other explanation is, is that so the husband does not claim 
after he divorced them that oh my god let's say he divorces his wife because of these rumors and she goes marries another man and then he finds out and he says oh I just found out all the rumors were false I never would have wanted to divorce you the get was no good um, and uh, you, you, all your kids are mums there now that you've had with this other man right so he says maybe he's Dafka doing it maliciously or Dafka's doing it because he wants to get his wife back or something okay so therefore we therefore if you, you, you tell him you won't be able to get your wife back after you divorce her, then he won't spread those rumors. That's the way Tosa says. Or he won't make those claims. Excuse me, not so. He won't make those claims. Had I known, I never would have divorced you. Or as Rashi says, um, even if he makes the claims, we won't believe him. We'll say, when you were told that when you divorced her, that there was going to be no option of remarrying her because of this halacha, right? And nevertheless, you chose to divorce her. That means that you were prepared to divorce her, whether or not in the future those rumors would ever have turned would have turned out to be false. Whether and the same by the net there. She's going to go and she's going to get a chacham to matir her net there. What? She makes. She makes. Okay, she goes out, she makes the net there, he divorces her, and then she gets the net there annulled by a chacham. And he'll say, oh, had I known you could have gotten annulled, I never would have divorced you. So, for to- so therefore we say, that doesn't matter, you can't remarry her. So, for Tosos, I'm, the husband isn't going to mi- bother to make that claim because spread that root, you know, like, 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 you know, make that problem uh, because he knows he won't get her back anyway. So, why make that problem? And according to Rashi, even if he does make that claim, we won't believe him. You knew you would never be able to remarry her. You chose to divorce her anyway. So clearly you were divorcing her with total gmardas, regardless of what would be discovered in the future. Okay? So the reason of making this takana is to protect her interests so he doesn't make a claim afterwards that the whole get was invalid. Okay? And therefore he's told you won't be able to remarry her after, these ta- after this. Alright? So that's the teaching of the Mishnah. Rabbi Yudomer, any neder that is known by the masters he cannot remarry her if it's not known he can now what difference does that make so that's following the approach that it's about trying to control people's behavior and we don't want we, we want we're doing this so, the, so, so wives don't make excessive vows so therefore he's saying that's a problem of people being irresponsible if they're going ahead and making their vows in public A. it shows that they're not careful with their vows B. a vow in public is a vow that cannot be revoked so therefore, that's the type of a behavior that's com- completely ir- irresponsible about vows, and therefore, we'll say the wife can't be remarried because we want to put an end to that type of behavior. Whereas if it's in private, we will allow her to remarry. He's only concerned about controlling the behavior. He says, any vow that required a sage to annul, that's the one um, that he cannot remarry her because then he'll say, oh my God, had I known that you would have gotten an annul, I never would have divorced you and then it'll create all these problems. But if it doesn't require a sage to annul, meaning it's a type of a vow that he himself could have annulled, right, the husband can annul vows, right, then he's allowed to remarry her because he can never he would never say had I known I wouldn't have divorced you you knew you could have, you could have known alright that'll be another opinion maybe you don't know your own power right? you don't know your own strength but he what they were saying is, is that if it's something the husband could have annulled and he divorced her right now why is he divorcing her so he's not just divorcing her because of this one vow just annul it he's divorcing her because he doesn't like the fact that she takes vows okay that's the claim but nevertheless we're not afraid he's going to say had I known I never would have divorced you because he did know you could have annulled the vows yourself so Rav Meir says if he could have annulled it himself and it didn't need a chacham he's allowed to remarry her 
Okay? I'm a Rebbe Eliezer. No, no, no. It's the opposite. Things that he could have done himself, that's the problem. Because what Michael says, he could have said, I didn't know I could have known the vow. Okay? But he was, but so that's the, that's the case we don't let him remarry. He would have said, I didn't know I could have known it. And we also said he can't remarry in the case where it required a sage. Uh, but that's less of a concern. Why is that less of a concern? Because he says, he, I'm not concerned my wife is going to go around looking for a base into a null vow. You know? He said that people, when women don't do that. It's, you know, we had that before, like going around to public him to collect, you know, to collect the estate or whatever. I was presuming she wasn't going to go to a bait I wasn't concerned that was going to happen. So I can't say I had I known I wouldn't have. I didn't think she would ever do that. Okay? But, but so the real thing we're afraid he's going to say is had I known I could have annulled it, I wouldn't have divorced her. But once we're not letting him remarry because of that case, we don't let him remarry even in the case that required a stage. Even though, according to Rebel Lezer, the case where it required a stage is less of a concern that he'll make a claim that he, that, you know, that he would have, that, that had he known his wife could have done it. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this, because he would have just excluded that possibility altogether. So now the Gemara says like this, a person said in Tzidan, again we're back to Tzidan, a konam, a vow against that I won't let her eat any fruit or something like that, all fruit is forbidden to me if I do not divorce you. The Gershani divorced her so that the vow would not be effective. And the pages let him remarry her. So the question is like, why shouldn't they let her remarry her? It wasn't the earlier cases. It wasn't the wife vowing, it was him vowing. What would be the concern? And what's exactly the Tikkun Olam? So we're going to see in the Gemara that the Tikkun Olam might be explaining the earlier cases. All of the earlier cases of not remarrying the wife was the Tikkun Olam for the reasons we said. Okay, all of this is now going to be... What? Well, they put it after this. Uh, well, I don't know. It's poor. Okay. Anyway, now we're going to take a look at the at the at the Gemara. It's going to just expand everything we said. Pretty straightforward Gemara. I'm Rabbi Yosef Barmin Yomi. I'm Rav Nachman. When he cannot, when can he not remarry her? If he says explicitly. I am divorcing you because of this report about your behavior. Or, you know, because of the vows that you make. So why does he have to say it? I mean, why is it only a problem when he says it? What's the reason that we don't let him remarry her? Because he's going to go ahead and ruin her. He's going to say, oh, had I known so and so, I never would have divorced. I only divorced you because I thought it was a problem. Had I known this, I wouldn't have divorced you. And he'll, and he'll question, he'll He'll, he'll raise questions about the original divorce. So that's true. If he said at the time of the divorce, this is why I'm doing it, then people will believe that claim. Oh, had he known, it wouldn't, he wouldn't have gone through with it. So it wasn't, he didn't have the right das. But he lo, lo if he didn't ex- say it explicitly at the time when he was giving the get, then even if he claims it, nobody's going to believe it. The get was given without any statement about this. So, he can't, oh, had I known. You know, that you know, yes, so nobody would give give any credence to the claim that he never that he wouldn't have intended to divorce her had he known, you know. But if so he says it explicitly, yeah, yeah. yeah Tosa thinks Tosa from Rashi it seems the same that nobody that halachically he's not believed halachically even if he says whatever. But it is a problem of create of raising questions about about it. Okay, Igadami. Some say I'm Rav Yosef from Yomi. I'm Rav Nachman. Sorry, she Yomalah. Heavy odati. We should not. No, whether he says it or not, 
he's not allowed to remarry her. Okay, it doesn't matter if he said why he was doing it at the time. Either way, he's not allowed to remarry her. But actually, we, at, we, we require him to say that. Even if he doesn't say it, he won't be able to remarry, but we want him to say that this is why I'm divorcing you. Why do we want him to say that? Because of our time of my, what's the reason that we don't allow remarriage? Um, it's to control the behavior of the women. It's to say that in order that they should not be too loose with, um, with uh, sexual matters and with uh, vows, right? So I, I guess we're assuming, you know, even if he did actually commit adultery, something, he must have done some type of thing, spoke to strong, strange men on the street. Who knows what she did? That raised rumors. Of course, Atosa says, like, what are you supposed to do about rumors? But anyway, but therefore, that's why we're doing it, to, as a son, as like, to, to punish them, essentially, the women, in order to control behavior. And therefore, it's going to, it'll always be bind, it'll always be an effect that you can't remarry, but we want it to be said why. We want there to be a public, you know, there to be publicity about what's happening, so to control other people's behavior, like, mm-hmm. call you, like a call you sell you smoothie row type of idea. <laughs> he needs to say this. I mean, even if he doesn't, he's not allowed to remarry her. But we want him to say this, because we're trying to, to some, exert some social control here. Okay? What? Well, right, so that's a good question, meaning, you know, how could we, if he doesn't say this reason, how could we impose this halacha, because how could we prove what the reason is? So, presumably, you'd have to say, like, he's telling people, he's, he's been talking to people about it, but do we have him say it publicly at the moment of the divorce? That becomes a question, right? Or maybe she's just taking the vow. Right, or, or, right. I mean, if it happens to be that there are rumors, and he hasn't been talking about it, and he hasn't said anything, presumably the halacha of this mission would not apply. But you're right. How do we substantiate what his motivation is? So, presumably, there, he has been communicating that. But the question is, do we, is, do we, what ha, you know, the, the importance of, have, of saying it at the time of the get. So, according to one approach, if, if he didn't say it at the time of the get, the halacha doesn't apply, because that he can't make a legitimate claim that he wasn't, he didn't want, you know, that the get is invalid. And according to the other approach, it's all, he always can't remarry her, but we want him to say it, because we want this to be a, you know, a, to publicize this, what's happening here, in order to control future behavior. Yeah. Alright, yes. Is the basic that if a person divorces and wants to remarry and the woman didn't have any other... Correct. That is correct. So what's the distinction between that law and this saying that we're concerned that if she remarries and has children they'll be moms are in? Uh, this would still be the same... Oh, so thank you. So that's a very... So, okay, so that's a very good question. Right. So David's asking a great question. He's saying if the concern is the case when she got remarried, right, so... And the way Tosa says it, we're only afraid he's going to make this claim because he figures he's going to get her back, right? So there's a... So there's this, how is he going to get her back? A man who divorces his wife, according to the Torah, marries another man, sleeps with another man, he, he can't go back to her. No, for but she's never married. So that's the answer. The answer is, is that even if, she, even, even if she sleeps with another man after having been divorced by her husband, if she was never married to another man, she can go back to her husband. So yeah. she can. She's she permitted. Anyway, right. right. So he's going to claim you were never married to that man. I never divorced you. The children are moms they ring. And since you were never married to another man, you can come back to me. Okay? And you're you were always married by me, actually. Actually, actually, it goes even further. Excuse me. Excuse me. The answer is even simpler. It was never a get. You were never divorced by me. You basically committed an act of adultery. You were never divorced by me. But so now, how can I go back and living with you because I'm not supposed to live with my wife if she committed adultery? Well, that was Bishogate. You were Baonis. You, you genuinely thought that you were, so you know, that you were divorced. You had a get. So you're allowed to come back to me. You were never, you were never married to him, but the kids are Mamzerim. But right. But the, but, 
but the bigger but the point about your question being divorced and coming back that would be if it was a legitimate divorce here the whole and if she was married to the other guy here the whole thing is that he's saying it was never a divorce to begin with because so we just said that he wasn't going to allow him to do that. What? Right. We're not going to, so we're not going to allow him to say that so he doesn't make this claim. And your point was, was that even if he made this claim and whatever, and he was, so I'm telling you no, in that case, she never, right, she could, she could have come back to him. She would have unwittingly committed adultery. The kids would be mamzerim, but it would not be the case in the Torah you're thinking about, about being divorced and coming back. Because if, if that was, if that was correct, that the original get was no good, she never would have been divorced in the first place. But if she actually got to get and then remarried. Yes. Then she could not go back to Rosalind. That is correct. That is Especially correct. he really could be right, but we just won't believe him a lot. I mean, like, he really might not have divorced her. Yeah, but it becomes a Dvarim Shebelev type of an issue, okay? So now let's take a look. Um, you know, you've you got to make a Tznai if you want those things to be conditional. Okay. Tanya Kalishna Tamil, Tanya Kalishna Basra. We try to bright it each way, whether it's about uh, about Kilko or whether it's about uh, about Shiloh Yubin Yisrael. Tanya Kalishna Kama. I'm Reb Meir. Why do we say he did not remarry her? And we should never lo yachzir. Shema telech v'tinasei la'achir. She'll go marry another guy. And then the basis of the original divorce will be false. She actually the nether wasn't binding because she got it allowed, or the rumors were false. The Yomar Had I known that those rumors were false, I think now you know from a male mother, you would even if you would give me a million dollars, or Yisim Gash, I would have divorced her. So I never intended to divorce her in those circumstances. It was all a toast. According to him, at least, um, if, if uh, the get would be a void and the children would be mamzerim, therefore we say to him, heavy yodea, be aware. Shamotis ichum shum shemra lo yachzir. We should never lo yachzir. Again, according to Tosos, the way this works is is that he has now no incentive to make this claim because he's not getting her back. And according to Rashi, the point is is that now the claim is not believed because we'll say, since you knew that there was no possibility of getting her back, you can't say that, oh, I didn't have Gemar Das or whatever. You knew that, there, that, that you were cutting off all future possibilities and you were still prepared to go through with it. So obviously, so obviously there was Gemar Das. Tiny Galishkin Bas, so we talk like the second approach. Amr Rebbe Lez Rebbe Yosemit, Neymar Amr Hamot that they should not be too loose when it comes to or not too loose couldn't be loose when it comes to sex or to uh, or to uh, vows therefore we instruct him say to her make this declaration be aware uh, he's saying to his wife now not we say to him be aware he's saying to her be aware this is why I'm divorcing you okay now we're going to go through the original Specific opinions. So the issue is about the um, the issue is about that uh, their behavior, the wise behavior that we want to control, not about uh, not about kilko, and therefore the only behavior that's problematic is the public vow because that's one that shows disregard, you know, more you know less care, more disregard. You're doing it in public, and as the Gemara understands, because it cannot be retracted. So taking vows that can't be retracted, that cannot be like uh, you know, annulled by a chacham shows a particular lack of, of care around that. We don't make him divorce her. That's only if he thinks it's a problem. I mean, that's a good point. Even with from the approach of Shiloh Yubinot Yisrael, we still don't we don't demand it. It's you know, but uh, that's an interesting point. So we're not going to completely use.
use that more public concern to, you know, to 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 to, to, to care about the marriage and to force a private decision. You know, I want to say I don't want to believe in those uh, in those rumors. Right. Right. Exactly. And I don't care that he makes these vows. I'm going to so that those are excellent points, right? If he's we're not we're going to let we're not going to prepare about the marriage or, or force his private this private decision. But if he's already making it, then we're going to use it as an opportunity to exert some control. That's a good point. I'm going to be a showman lady. My time is Rabbi Huda. What's the reason of Rabbi Huda? That presumably that a now vow in public cannot be retracted. To Steve, the low Israel, this is by the Givonim. They did not smite them. Kinish Ha'ida, because the heads of the tribes swore to them, presumably also in public. So he understands the emphasis there was not just the heads of the tribes, but it was in public. And therefore, even when it was found out that they were lying, it could not be annulled. The vow, the oath could not be annulled. So you see, Rabbanan Hasim The rabbis would say, that's not because it couldn't be annulled. The whole oath wasn't binding to begin with. You don't even need to go to a Chacham to allow it. They lied to them. They said that they came from a faraway land. They didn't. So the whole thing was betoth. It wasn't binding. So they really, from a halachic point of view, did not have to keep to that vow at all. So lo didn't take oath didn't take effect at all. So why, when they found out, did they not then wipe them out because they were from the seven nations? Because, it's interesting, it's famous here in the positive, not Chil Hashem, because it would have been a Chil Hashem to have gone ahead and done it because since there had been this public nature of this vow, people would say, oh look, you see that? The tribes, the head, of the, the head of the Israelites, they make this vow and then they go ahead and they violate it, you know, they betray this nation and so on. So for those reasons, but not because halachically they were really mandated. Okay. Tosus has a whole interesting discussion about what is the halacha about somebody from the seven nations that actually chooses to make peace. Are you allowed to keep, keep them alive in the land? Because Tosus says, well, why isn't it also a shavuah levatah mitzvah? They have a mitzvah to wipe out the seven nations. Right? So that's why it shouldn't take effect. So is it really a bitul mitzvah? If the seven nations really wanted to make peace, would you be allowed to maintain them in the land? You remember before we had the Pasuk of Lotaskar Ebedol right? That if, the, if one of those readings was if somebody from the seven nations wants to not worship idols and stay in the land, you, you let them do it. So it's a whole interesting literature around whether, you know, whether the mitzvah of destroying the Shavuot Amim in the land of Israel would apply under all circumstances or not. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Um, the Kama Rabim, what is a neder in public that cannot be that cannot be an old? Rav Nachman Gimel, which makes sense. I mean, ten would make more sense. Rav Nachman Sar, which is ten. Okay, Rav Nachman Gimel, Yamim Bet Rabim Gimel. So where's Yamim Rabim? Where's that from? So that is from a woman who is a zava. And it says if she flows for many days, not during her menstrual period, then there's a different halacha about her about her status. So it says Yamim Rabim. So Yamim is two days. Rabim is three days. So you see, Rabim is three. It's just such a funny idea. Like what? We don't have an idea of Rabim anywhere else. It's not like you said Rabim in the pasuk, right? It's like it's, the Rabim word is a rabbinic word here. It's like Hudar Rabim. The pasuk just says Nisye Haita. So it's a very strange idea. But he, basically, his point is once it becomes somewhat of a public matter, you know. It's not completely private, right? Then already it's uh, then already it's of a different status, um, as opposed to no, it really has to be like in the you know in the rabim. And the other one says asara. Um, uh, where were we? Um, uh, uh, it says Nisye Ha'ida, and Ida we learn out from other places is an idea of ten representing the community. Now Rabbi Meir said that the issue is if it requires a chacham, then that's a problem because then he could say, you know, I didn't know you could get it annulled. Had I known you could have gotten it annulled, but if he himself could have done it, he can't make that claim. 
Tani Rabbi Eliezer Omer Lo Asu Tzarich Tzarich Eliezer is the opposite no 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 the, the primary case was case that, that he could have made a claim which was that he could have annulled not and the, because we were because he would have made a claim by the ones that he could have annulled that didn't need a Chacham we, we forbade him to remarry even in the cases that did need a Chacham what's the debate Remer Sever Adam Rotzeh Shifit Pazeh Remer feels that a man is not desires for his wife to be degraded in the court but doesn't 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 mind that his wife is going to have to go to court. So a man could say, had I known you could have gone to a court and gotten annulled, I never would have divorced you. Um, sure, I wouldn't have had any problem with you going to court. Uh, I would have been totally okay with that. And Leather says, that's not such a believable claim. You can't say, had I known you would have gone to court and gotten annulled, I would have divorced you. Because we don't believe you. Because you don't want your wife going around and going, you know, and going to court and looking around for somebody to mock your neder. So that wouldn't have been so believable. The more believable claim for Leather is, had I known that I could have annulled it, I wouldn't have divorced you. And Rabbi Meir says, that's not believable, because of course you knew you could have annulled it. Okay, anyway. Now we have this last case of the man divorcing his wife for a vow that the man made that we now let the man remarry. So the Gemara says, my tana diktani maisa. What does it have to do with anything we said before? This is about the man making vows. So the Gemara says, we're missing some words. Here's how you have to teach it. The When is these laws about not remarrying when she makes a vow? For the reasons we said. Either that he won't claim that the get was invalid or that uh, to control the behavior of women. Aval neder you, but if he's making the vow, so yachzir, he can, which is like very funny. Why don't we say that we don't want men to be parutz binadarim and we don't let him remarry or whatever. Of course, it doesn't exactly work. Just because he made a vow doesn't, is not a normally, just because he's parutz binadarim. When she makes too many vows, that can lead to, to her husband divorcing her, right? When he's making a lot of vows, it doesn't lead to him divorcing his wife, right? So there's not the same causal relationship. Okay. That in that particular case, but it's not the same general phenomenon. Okay, but let, let's keep on going. Okay. Um, so we have a case like that. He made a vow. They let her remarry. Him remarry. So my konam. What was the idea of the konam of the of the neder? What was the context of this? So all the fruit of the world will be forbidden to me with a konam if I don't divorce you. So in order to not have this konam take effect, he had to divorce her. And they allowed him to remarry. Pita. Of course. Why? Like, why? Well, because of you mean what? But like I said, that doesn't, there's no, yeah, I mean, maybe you could say that to let you what the Gemara's answer is. It's not the same type of causal relationship as you have in the case by the woman. So anyway, the Gemara says, no. If somebody makes a vow, it's like they built an altar, which is not a good thing because there's a base of mikdash around. You're doing your own act of private religiosity by making vows. That's the idea of a bama when there's actually an established religion, right? And there are, there's uh, common forms of religious practice and you're going off and you're doing, making, you know, making your own bama there, making your own neder. So it's like building a bama, v'amakaimo, and then if you fulfill the vow rather than getting it annulled, now you should try to get it annulled. Tear down those bamas, right? But if you went and you fulfilled it, right, it's actually like you did it worse not only you actually brought a korban on it. You think you're doing this religious act, but you're actually doing a private act of religiosity in a time when there's a central base on mikdash. So anyway, it's not good to make vows. Such a powerful image. Yeah. Anyway, not good to make vows. So therefore, maybe we would say, and this is a variation of lo darim. If your vow caused you to divorce your wife, and the whole phenomenon of making the vow was a bad thing, we're going to punish you as a result. You should have got that vow annulled. 
And because you didn't get that vow annulled, where you're, you're going to be stuck with the consequences. You're going to have to suffer as a result. So it's a variation of the so puts up in Darim. Kamash Mulan, that we don't say that. Okay, now what's... Would, would people leave to say, oh, had I known I could be much of this vow, then I would have just gone and done it? Hmm? I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I can't process that right now. I mean, may tikkun olam. So my tikkun olam, what's the tikkun olam ika? By letting him remarry, meaning it's more like we didn't see a need to make a takana. It's not, as, as opposed to tikkun olam, sounds like we did something new, not we just chose not to act. Okay? So the Gemara says, I'm Rav Sheshus, Arisha. On the first set of cases, the reasons we say that the man can't remarry his wife when he divorces her under those circumstances, that was a tikkun olam. To either protect her interests or to uh, control uh, behavior um, and so that's what he says Ravina Marlola Masefa no 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 it's on the second case that, that, that he's allowed to remarry his wife but Vahachitani Ein Bezumit Nei Tikkun Olam which Rashi says is like there's no Tikkun Olam here there was not a sufficient Tikkun Olam need to prevent him from remarrying his wife so we chose to do nothing and let him remarry his wife okay then the last case when he made the vow um, alright um, and if Rifka Haut allowed Shalom were here she would point out the obvious besides it's the men and the male rabbis that are controlling the women even based on rumor is the idea that of course that uh, when he's the one making vows then we don't we don't have to control that behavior it's only when she's the one making vows okay so um, and, and, and getting back to this case over here so he always could he always could have remarried her anyway right it's not like she went and got married so we were thinking maybe the canals would be that we don't want him being purged like, right if you did it as a result of your neder you're not going to be stuck with it you should have got your neder uh, annulled okay um, and uh, um, okay, so now the question is like this. Hamotis ishto mishum ilanis. So now back about husband and wives, okay, and also about remarrying. If a man basically divorces his wife because she's an ilanis, an ilanis is a certain type of a. It is not just a woman who is infertile or sterile. It's a woman who actually has male characteristics. Um, it's not androgynous. I don't know the exact condition. Any what? It's a lack of sexual characteristics. I don't think Presence of male characteristics? The lack of female characteristics right. makes it, I guess, seem more male. But okay. Alright, that's helpful. No, they never hit puberty. Like, they never grow Right. They never right. Of, uh, yeah, there were some things that sounded like some secondary male characteristics, but okay, but I think that's a more... Yeah, right, right. That's what Michael was saying. Anyway, but I think that's a more accurate way of saying it. it does not have developed sexual characteristics, ma- female, even though she's a female, and therefore um, he divorces her, right? Because that's not just that, that the way his wife is infertile, which is, you know, but this is something obviously more like, oh, uh, fundamentally, you know, we assume he never would have married her had he known that. So, Rabbi Hulomer, lo yachzir, he cannot remarry. Rachamim he can. We'll see what that is in the Gemara. But the first thing I have to say is, you know, Tosus has one minute. From all, a lot of Gemaras, it sounds like you don't even need to get in those cases because, you know, it's just so assume that a man right it's a mekotos a man would not have married a woman had he known now Rashi says ah but after Nisuin after they've had sex then we assume that any reservations he might have had he puts aside because he doesn't want the marriage to be void because then his bias biatznut that he's been having sex not in the sanctity of marriage um, Tosus rejects that there are some cases the Gemara says that even after sex it's such a toast that the marriage is void and this is one of them that by the way is very important for Aguna issue and voiding marriages when there was a profound, you know, deceit or ta'ut or whatever, um, because even after sex, sometimes we could say that the that the, that the you know that the uh, 
that it's so so profound the desire not to be married in these circumstances that it doesn't matter you know, even after sex the person would not want it to have been a binding marriage so Tosa says even after sex if this woman turned out to be an ill and if it's void you don't need a get the fact that the Mishnah assumes a get Tosa says it doesn't mean that she's definitely an illness it means she's divorced because she's suspected of being an illness so that things don't look exactly right and it's not enough to prove you know to, to clearly identify her as an illness but she's suspected of being an illness so that makes it sound like she's suspected of doing something evil but anyway but there's a possibility that she's an illness okay and that's why he's divorcing her so that's why it required a get according to Oswald Nisus Le'acher the Hayu Lo Bani we know no we're going to see in the Gemara the Chamimom okay Nisus Le'acher the Hayu Lo now and here is why Tosus's reading gets further uh, support because this woman was divorced married another guy and then had kids so clearly she wasn't she was not an illness okay and again you have the idea of female being able to say oh had I known right that you would have uh, been able you were not an illness I never would have divorced you it's the same type of concern so now we understand the opinion that says don't get remarried and you can't get remarried is so that you can't make that claim that you're going to be told there's going to be no choice to get back together again okay now she gets married to another person and she has kids and now she's saying to her husband give me my ksuva it's clear that I was not an illness when you divorced me because you thought I was an illness I didn't get my ksuva because basically it was you know the problem was with me but now it turns out that I wasn't an illness because I had kids so now give me my ksuva that's what she's saying to her husband I'm Rabbi Yehuda Omerla we say to her um, you know what like it's, be smart and be quiet because if she pushes the point too much that if she wasn't an illness it will raise questions about the legitimacy of the divorce so therefore even though it was legitimate it was, right? it, it was, was legitimate he was told or whatever but if you over much emphasize and sues him because ah you see I wasn't going to deal with this or whatever it's like then it's going to start raising questions about whether well, the divorce was good okay I understand so Kondil Chami may be okay because he says I don't know okay let's take a look at the Gemara yeah but don't make a big public thing about it and sue it in court or whatever it may will make people question well let's reopen the, that case that's what they have to divorce case so better to just not make a big deal about it okay let's so let's, get, let's get moving the name of Rabbi Yehuda Chayis Lukukula so Rabbi Yehuda who says don't get remarried after this is afraid of that uh, you know she'll get ruined because people will question the divorce for Rabbi Yehuda Chayis Lukukula and the rabbi's not but our previous mission was the opposite right that about the vows Rabbi Yehuda Omer or, or the uh, ill report uh, the, the rumors Rabbi Yehuda Omer Rabbi Yehuda allows to remarry when it was a vow that wasn't made in public. Well, why, that clearly there he could claim, had I known you could have gotten an old, I wouldn't have, re, I wouldn't have divorced you. Right? For a view, it clearly was not the issue of the ability of the vow to be an old, I mean, you know, about him being able to claim, to claim, had I known, I would, I, you know, I wouldn't have done it. Alma, from there you see, Rabbanan Chayeshul Kukula, Rabbanan Chayeshul Kukula, Rabbanan is not concerned that he'll say, had I known, I wouldn't have divorced you. Because uh, Rabbanan lets him remarry even after a vow that made in private so Amar Shmuel Epoch fine reverse the Mishnah have Rabbi Yehuda be the one who says here that he cannot that he can remarry her 
So the Mosh says, "How many times say if a nisus va'acher va'yilu abadim yemenu v'yizovas k'suvasa?" I'm Rabbi Yehuda. Omer lashti kusayis yafemi dibura'yeh. In the end of our Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda counsels her: Don't press your claim for your k'suva because that'll raise questions about the validity of the divorce. Miklaz Rabbi Yehuda chayis l'kukula. So you see, Rabbi Yehuda is concerned about raising questions about the divorce in the end. So, um, so Hanami April, fine, reverse that too. Have that be the chachamim. Okay, so it doesn't fit. So just reverse every Rabbi Yehuda for chachamim, which is not the worst case Well, that would have been easy. Um, although who reversed there were multiple Chachami mentioned there no 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 let's not mess up with the Mishnah so much really look Rebuda really is concerned that he'll make claims and he'll raise questions about the get but in the case of Neder there's a combination of factors that he won't be believed because he holds like a Rebbe Meir and a Rebbe Lezer position in the cases of Tzarech and Eno Tzarech what does that mean? Bitzarich, in a case where it required a say a type of vow that required a sage to annul it, Savalak Rebelezer. He holds like Rebelezer that basically says that um, that a woman could say that that um, that that a man uh, is uh, that he's not believed to say, Oh, had I known you could have gone to a sage, I wouldn't have divorced you. Because we'll say to him, You never would have wanted your wife to go around to go to a basin. You can't say, Had I known that was a possibility for you, that wasn't a possibility. You don't want your wife going to Bate Din. So the case when it requires a sage, he wouldn't be believed to say, had I known. And B'Shein Otsarich, when it didn't require a sage, and he could have annulled it, Savalak Remeir, he was like Remeir. Remeir says that we basically don't believe you when you say, had I known, I could have divorced you. I could have annulled it. Of course you knew you could have annulled it. So basically what it's saying is, in principle, he is, he does a say, we're concerned the husband will make a claim that will raise questions about a get. But by the neder, those claims won't be believed, because whatever he'll say, oh, had I known I could have annulled it, of course you knew you could have annulled it. Had I known you could have gone to a Chacham, you would have wanted her to have gone to a Chacham. So in those cases, his claims won't be believed. But in general, if he makes a claim that could be believed, of course we don't want him to raise those questions about it yet. We're Chayish Lechukula. So now the Gemara just ends. Um, so the Gemara says like this: I'm a Rava. So Rava says, "Rebuda, Rebuda, Kasha, Rabbanan, Rabbanan, Lo Kasha." You solve the Rebuda contradiction. How about the Rabbanan contradiction? In the earlier Mishnah, they're concerned for Kilkul. Here, they're not. Right? Why is it? Which is what Michael said. Why is it the Rabbanan? This is really a good concern, right? How can he remarry this woman after he divorced her and she was an illness, right? Why aren't we concerned that he'll say she'll have kids? I would have never wanted to have divorced you, right? Why are the rabbis not concerned about that? And so the Gemara says, Ella. We said. He's generally concerned about Kyoko. By Neder, his claim won't be believed. Because you will always tell him, you knew, you knew those things and you still divorced her. Now, how about the rabbis? If they're concerned about Kyoko, why are they not concerned about it by the case of the illness? So, man chachamim Rebbe Meir. No, because here the chachamim in our mission is Rebbe Meir. That any time you would want something to have been conditional, it's not enough just to have said, this is on the condition that, or this is because I'm assuming X. If for something to be, vo- to be voided, for a get to be voided, it's only if you said it with like a double condition. If this is the case, I want it to be a get. And if this isn't the case, I don't want it to be a get. Right? You would have to have made a very formal type of a tnai. So how come I ask you to look halfway with tonight? You didn't do it. So basically, generally we're concerned, but in this case, right, we're not concerned because you'll say, "Oh, I know you weren't an illness. I wouldn't have worse." You says, "So what? 
Who cares? That, that doesn't make any questions about the get because you didn't make any. You didn't go through the right way of articulating the tanai and the condition. I don't care what your das was. Rabbi Meir would say, right? So the guy is going to okay, say. He did say this, and then it turns out he's not an alienist. What? So, so, so the, so the Gemara is saying we're not afraid that that claim will get any traction. So then he's going to go around saying, I didn't want to, had I known, and everybody will say, Hey, buddy, if that was true, you should have made the right conditions. So what the heck do we care what was in your das? So if you're a Rabbi Meir type of a person, a husband claiming. I didn't. I wouldn't have wanted under these circumstances. It's great. You know what do they say? If like if uh, if you know if, if 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 wishes were what is it? If wishes were ponies, rides would be free. You know. So okay, you didn't want to. What, what do I care? You didn't say the right things. If you if you're a Rebbe Mayer person, so the the claim that I didn't want to that wasn't my das is doesn't get any traction because you didn't make the time. You know, said if your illness are divorced or not illness you're not divorced. Oh, then that, she gets divorced. Then of course. And then she marries somebody else and has kids. Right. Then, then, then of course, and I mean, then we would have go by that tonight, but that's not the case, okay? No, no, the opposite. Since we allow you to remarry, the, you divorced your wife. It found out that you're allowed to remarry. Why are we not concerned that you'll marry another man, have kids, and then you'll say, "I never intended to divorce you"? And the answer is because nobody will believe that claim. That claim won't get any traction because I mean, because because people. Will say who cares whether you wanted to or not you didn't make the right conditions the divorce is still valid the concern is that you'll raise questions about the validity of the original divorce right. and what the Gemara is saying is according to Rebbe Mayer even if your das would have been even if you wouldn't have wanted to divorce her it won't raise questions about the validity because none of the conditions specific conditions were articulated yeah, you can remarry, remarry her remarry her right but, okay. you get a little lost okay yeah, we're going to end here she 